Good morning, I'm Jake Sherman, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines for the day. Number one, that big Supreme Court leak. Number two, a shocking ad from a Republican candidate for the House. And number three, a crypto billionaire's political crusade. Let's get into it. This is one of those mornings where you're just absolutely shocked by what you've read for a million different reasons. But let's dive right in. Josh Gerstein and Alexander Ward of Politico report that the Supreme Court has privately voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. This is, without a doubt, one of the most impactful domestic political stories in years. Years. For a million reasons, and let's review them all. Uh, The report immediately changed the debate in Washington. Now abortion is front and center. It's going to be the top of the agenda. Within hours of the story being published by Politico, we're obviously myself, Brez, Anna, and Heather have all worked. There were hundreds of pro and anti-abortion rights protesters gathered on the steps of the high court. And if you don't know, I'm sure many of you do. The Supreme Court is located just behind the Capitol. So this was on Capitol Hill late at night last night. Several Democratic candidates for Senate were there. They were chanting and praying, and uh, it was quite the scene, according to news reports. We were not there, but I have to imagine when we all arrive on Capitol Hill later this morning, many of those folks uh, will still be protesting, and I would imagine could even be protesting outside the Capitol. So the substance of it is the most important, but let's just review how rare, absolutely rare, it is for a Supreme Court decision to be leaked like this. Um, I've never I've never seen a Supreme Court uh, decision leak. Uh, I think it's happened in the past, but it's just incredibly rare, uh, to say the least, once again. Uh, this was the greatest fear of Democrats during Amy Coney Barrett's Senate confirmation hearings just before the 2020 election. If Rose overturned, the basic gist of it is that Individual states would be uh, permitted to write their own abortion laws, and women in the South, um, in the in the ever conservative South, would could find themselves hundreds of miles from abortion services. Um, it would also, quite frankly, deepen the already uh, widening divide ideologically and culturally between red and blue states. Uh, we've already seen this. Uh, Red states like Texas and Mississippi, and Mississippi is what the this Supreme Court case is based on, have already enacted strict abortion bans. Um, more than a dozen states have immediate abortion bans that will go into effect in the event that Roe is overturned. Um, and uh, again, this is going to be just a, it's going to change the landscape, the domestic political landscape, like almost no ever, no decision ever before. This draft decision, which was authored by Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, obviously four justices appointed by Republican presidents, uh, gives states the ability to ban abortions even in the case of rape and incest. Now, this isn't extreme. This isn't explicitly mentioned in the in the ruling, but since states would have it, have the ability to do this uh, to write these laws on its own, uh, they would be able to do so. Politically, uh, this will basically ensure that abortion is now the um, a major debate, if not the major debate, ahead of the 2022 election. At least on the uh, at least for Democrats, um, we're just 189 days out from the midterms. 
This is going to be the topic of conversation on Capitol Hill today. Remember, the Senate is in, the House is not. I We would have to imagine that a massive focus of the Hill press corps' attention, of course, of which we're part, uh, will be on Susan Collins, the Republican of Maine, who has said uh, various times in, in voting to confirm justices appointed by Republican presidents that they believe that she had assurances or she was confident that they would not overturn Roe because it was settled decision. It was a settle. It was settled law. It was it was not uh, up for debate. A lot of people are going to ask Collins about that. Remember, this this document is um, a draft document that was uh, authored that was released, not released, but that was authored and circulated uh, on February 10th. So it is possible that this decision or this draft will be altered. We would say it's likely <laughs> that the draft will be altered um, because it's months old. And and from what we, we're not Supreme Court experts at Punchbowl News, but I do know enough and, and Brez knows enough to know that these drafts are um, are definitely just discussion drafts in a sense. They have to build consensus on the Supreme Court. Um, now, This is going to spark a debate about overturning the filibuster in the most serious way in this year. Uh, forget voting rights for a second, which was a, a massive priority of Democrats, obviously. But you're going to see a push from the left and maybe even from the moder- from moderate Democrats to overturn the filibuster, that 50, that 60 vote threshold to pass legislation. If they, you know, the obvious hurdles of overturning the filibuster, the obvious hurdle, singular, um, is Joe Manchin, who has said he won't change the Senate rules without Republican buy-in. The big question becomes, does Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Susan Collins of Maine, um, do they overturn the filibuster to codify Roe into law? Now, Congress can write a law that says the principles, the tenets of Roe are are now law. They couldn't get 60 votes on that. No way, no how. So they would need every Democrat or some combination of Democrats and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. We remain skeptical here. Uh, I think based on our reporting and our knowledge that that is going to happen. Um, Of course, Bernie Sanders has already called for that, and he called for that this last night again. Um, So... It's just this is it's it's hard to overstate how much of an issue this is going to become on Capitol Hill. Absolutely impossible to overstate that. And uh, something we're going to be following extraordinarily closely in the coming days. A very, very um, important issue politically and substantively. Number two story of the day. Very interesting ad running in Ohio this morning that we picked up from our friends at Ad Impact. J.R. Majewski, who's running in a primary today for the right to take on longtime Congresswoman Marcy Kaptur in Toledo, has an ad featuring former President Donald Trump, but also has Majewski strolling through what looks like a warehouse with a gun as he says he will do whatever it takes to return this country back to its former glory. You know, Majewski was part of the uh, uh, Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. He says he left before the... um, uh, the insurrection at the Capitol, but that kind of language is incredibly charged and uh, fascinating, fascinating to see in a political ad. 
Number three story of the day, I'm going to bring you a conversation with Max Cohen, one of our terrific reporters, on Sam Bankman-Fried, who is funding a super PAC that is really interesting. Bankman-Fried is a cryptocurrency billionaire, the first cryptocurrency billionaire, and he is funding a whole host of Democratic candidates across the country running ads on their behalf. Here's our conversation with Max Cohen. All right, Max, we have a this is tally week for us, which means we are talking about um, campaigning, electioneering, all things campaign. Uh, today is the Ohio primary, also the Indiana primary. But for our purposes, let's talk about this fascinating item you have this morning in the newsletter about Sam Bankman Freed. You know that I'm uh, positively obsessed with um, people in the finance world, especially the digital finance world, spending bundles of money on elections. They are, uh, I'd say, a new frontier in the um, just finance people putting tons of money into campaigns and elections. Who is Sam Bankman-Fried? What the hell is he up to? Uh, Let's start with just a simple one. Who is Sam Bankman-Fried? It's a good question, Jake. He is the first cryptocurrency billionaire. He's just 30 years old, and I'd argue he's the newest power player in Democratic donor circles. He's pouring millions of his own money, which, to be fair, as a billionaire, is not a huge sum for him, but he's putting millions into seemingly obscure House Democratic primaries across the country. And that's what we're focusing on today. Why is he doing this? We'll get to that later. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is uh, he has a new pack, uh, not a new pack, but he has a, a pack called Protect Our Future. Um, and it doesn't seem to me that there's any through line here, right? I mean, there's no real through line into the candidates he's backing. We see we see packs and super PACs all the time, um, you know, supporting a certain kind of candidate. He's not doing that, right? Yeah. So here's what I found in my reporting. A major interest of Sam Bankman-Fried and his brother Gabriel, his brother Gabriel started this advocacy group, Guarding Against Pandemics, which is all about pandemic prevention, is just that. It's trying to stop the next COVID pandemic from happening. The stated interest of Protect Our Future PAC, which Sam is a big donor to, is candidates with long-term policy planning. Now, that's not very descriptive. It's pretty vague. Um, but it's nothing to do with crypto on the surface. So although Sam Bankman-Fried is a huge crypto player, CEO of FTX, this big crypto exchange, it doesn't seem, at least now, that he's funneling his money into crypto causes with this new pack. But the candidates really are very new to legislating. Uh, so like, give, me, ads. give us an example yeah, sure. here. Yeah, who, yeah, who, yeah they're running ads in favor of Chantel Brown, uh, who's today facing off against Nina Turner in Ohio. Uh, she's first-term legislator, got elected in a special election. They're supporting Lucy McBath in Georgia, elected in 2018. And then there are four other first-time candidates to Congress who they're backing in Oregon, North Carolina, Texas, uh, and Kentucky. And all of these seats are safe Democratic seats. That's the kind of main through line here. Yeah, so to, so I'm uh, Sam Bankman-Fried himself, according to the most recent campaign finance uh, form that his PAC fi- uh, filed, put in $13 million of his own money into this PAC. Nishad Singh, who's his director of engineering at uh, FTX, put in a million dollars. Every Town for Gun Safety and Every Town for uh, Gun Safety Victory Fund and Action Fund, I believe it is, put in $55,500. And then someone called David F. 
put in $10,000. So predominantly funded by Bankman Freed himself. Um, and I, it's interesting. I mean, you spoke to his brother, Gabriel uh, Bankman Freed as well. Um, and to me, the obvious question is, is this person trying to influence crypto legislation? We talk a lot about, uh, we write a lot about how crypto is um, getting wise to the ways of Washington or not. We have plenty of data points in, in both directions. Um, do you think he's trying to sway those, that, 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 those, those pieces of legislation? So I asked this exact question to his brother, Gabriel, and he was very emphatically denying that that was the case. He said that his brother was interested in giving almost all of his money away, all of his wealth to causes he believes in. And Gabriel said one of the causes that Sam really believes in is stopping the next pandemic from happening. Um, but that is what you'd expect them to say. You know, you never really know what is behind their thinking here. But I think it's fair to say that Sam is what he calls an effective altruist. And that movement says you should donate your money to the causes which give the highest possible yield, the highest possible impact. I think he would identify these races, House Democratic primaries, where you can put in a couple million dollars and really change the race. Whereas if you put 10 million into a really big Senate swing state like Arizona, you know, Georgia, your money wouldn't have the same impact. That's my kind of take on what Sam is doing here. He wants to make his money go the furthest. He's identifying these legislators who are probably going to be in the House as Democrats for a very long time, getting in early in their careers and developing a relationship. But there's no uh, connection to crypto just yet that we can see. Yeah, the interesting thing to me is uh, the, his, his biggest expenditure, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is Carrick Flynn in Oregon 6. That is a seat. Well, why don't you tell us what that seat is? That's exactly correct. Carrick Flynn is probably the most controversial of the spending here because Carrick Flynn, he's 35 years old. He has some experience in international economic development and also in pandemic prep planning. But before you know the spending, he was virtually an unknown in this district. And protect our future pack, backing him with you know, eight separate ads on the airwaves. Pretty unheard of. The money in that race in Oregon Six in favor of Flynn is changing the race. All the other candidates who are running against Flynn banded together to condemn the Bankman Freed spending. House Majority Pack, the Democratic Alliance Super PAC in the House, also went into back Flynn, causing more backlash from the other candidates who say, What's going on? Why are you backing this 35 year old, you know, unheard of white candidate? There are many other minority candidates in this race. What's going on here? So that's the most controversial one. And he, Carrick Flynn is the most direct ties to pandemic preparedness in his past work. Yeah, I would say, and, and Lucy McBath, he's put in nearly $2 million to that race, a member on member primary, uh, one of two member on member. Well, no, Lucy McBath is running against Carolyn uh, Boudreaux in Georgia. Chantel Brown is an incumbent running against Nina Turner, who, as we've written, as Christian Hall, our, our friend and colleague, wrote this morning for us, is uh, some consternation about that about that uh, primary between two um, two former candidates that run against each other in the past. Chantel Brown is the, is the incumbent now. Um, but McBath, that race is just a wash in money. And just, I'll, I'll close out with this, Max. I mean, people might take issue with someone putting in lots of money to a race, but there's not anything really wrong with it. There's not anything illegal about it, for sure. I mean, you could decide whether you like it or not, but 
people are allowed to dump as much money as they want into a super PAC and spend, and that super PAC can spend freely. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and what advocates and, 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 you know, colleagues of the Bankman Freed say is, look, this is someone who's tremendously wealthy and taking an interest in Washington in terms of specific policy proposals, which, you know, today is relatively rare. You know, not a lot of people care about the policy, the planning, the legislating, um, at least on the money side, you might dump it into a specific cause. But this kind of spending on a seemingly narrow stage uh, for pandemic preparedness isn't really something you see. And you see that in the ads. The ads aren't mentioning pandemic preparedness. They're mentioning classic Democratic uh, proposals like funding Social Security, Medicare, et cetera, lowering prescription drug prices. So that, it's interesting. It's unique. And I think he's identified that his cash can go a long way in these more obscure Democratic House primaries. Max, very interesting. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Jake. Thanks to Max Cohen for that great conversation. And with that, leave us a rating and review. You could subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a wonderful day and stay safe.